Welcome, welcome, and I'm back. It's the Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and I'm back. Back for another episode. Back to give you my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. I'm sipping a little. I'm a little hype. I'm excited to be recording. But let me start off with a clip of the late, great Malcolm X. Referred to as the house Negro and the field Negro back during slavery. There was two kinds of slaves. There was the house Negro and the field Negro. The house Negro, they lived in the house with master. They dressed pretty good. They ate good because they ate his food. What he left. <laughs> they lived in the attic or the basement, but still they lived near their master. And they loved their master more than the master loved himself. They would, they would give their life to save their master's house quicker than the master would. The house Negro, if the master said, we got a good house here, the house Negro said, yeah, we got a good house here. Whenever the master said we, he said we. That's how you can tell a house Negro. If the master's, if the master's house caught on fire, the house Negro would fight harder to put the blaze out than the master would. If the master got sick, the house Negro would say, what's the matter, boss? We sick. We sick. <laughs> he identified himself with his master more than his master identified with himself. And if you came to the house Negro and said, let's run away. Let's escape. Let's separate. That house Negro would look at you and say, man, you crazy. What you mean separate? Where is there a better house than this? Where can I wear better clothes than this? Where can I eat better food than this? That was that house Negro. In those days, he was called a house nigger. And that's what we call him today because we still got some house niggers running around here. This modern house Negro loves his master. He wants to live near him. He'll pay three times as much as the house is worth just to live near his master. And then brag about, I'm the only Negro out here. <laughs> I'm the only one on my job. I'm the only one in this school, you nothing but a house Negro. And if someone come to you right now and say, let's separate, you say the same thing that the house Negro said on the plantation. What you mean separate? From America? This good white man? Where you gonna get a better job than you get here? I mean, this is what you say. I, I ain't left nothing in Africa. That's what you say. Why you left your mind in Africa. <laughs> On that same plantation, there was the field Negro. The field Negro, those were the masses. There was always more Negroes in the field 
Then there was Negroes in the house. The Negro in the field caught hell. He ate leftovers. In the house, they ate high up on the hall. The Negro in the field didn't get nothing but what was left of the insides of the hog. They call them Chetlins nowadays. In those days, they call them what they were, guts. That's what you were, a gut eater. And some of you are all still gut eaters. The field Negro was beaten from morning till night. He lived in a shack, in a hut. He wore cast off clothes and he hated his master. I say he hated his master. He was intelligent. That house Negro loved his master. But that field Negro, remember, they were in the majority and they hated the master. When the house caught on fire, he didn't try and put it out. That field Negro prayed for a wind, <laughs> for a breeze. When the master got sick, the field Negro prayed that he died. If someone come to the field Negro and said, let's separate, let's run, he didn't say, where are we going? He said, any place is better than here. got field Negroes in America today. I'm a field Negro. The masses are the field Negroes. When they see this man's house on fire, you don't hear these little Negroes talking about our government is in trouble. They say the government is in trouble. Imagine a Negro, our government, I even heard one say, our astronauts. They won't even let him near the plant. And our astronauts, our Navy, that's a Negro that's out of his mind. That's a Negro that's out of his mind. Just as the slave master in that day used Tom, the house Negro, to keep the field Negroes in check, the same old slave master today has Negroes who are nothing but modern Uncle Toms, 20th century Uncle Toms, to keep you and me in check, keep us under control, keep us passive and peaceful and nonviolent. That's Tom making you nonviolent. It's like when you go to the dentist and the man is going to take your tooth. You're going to fight him when he starts pulling. So they squirt some stuff in your jaw called Novocaine to make you think they're not doing anything to you. <laughs> so you sit there and cause you got all that Novocaine in your jaw, you suffer peacefully. <laughs> Blood running all down your jaw and you don't know what's happening.
because someone has taught you to suffer peacefully. The white man do the same thing to you in the street. When he don't want to put knots on your head and take advantage of you and don't have to be afraid of you fighting back, to keep you from fighting back, he get these old religious Uncle Toms to teach you and me that just like Novocaine, suffer peacefully. Don't stop suffering, just suffer peacefully. As Reverend Cleek pointed out, let your blood flow in the streets. This is a shame. And you know he's a Christian preacher. If it's a shame to him, you know what it is to me. Because nothing in our book, the Koran, as you call it, Koran, teaches us to suffer peacefully. Our religion teaches us to be intelligent, be peaceful, be courteous, obey the law, respect everyone. But if someone puts his hand on you, send them to the cemetery. That's a good religion. In fact, that's that old-time religion. That's the one that Ma and Pa used to talk about. An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and a head for a head, and a life for a life. That's a good religion. And then anybody, no one resents that kind of religion being taught but a wolf who intends to make you his meal. This is the way it is with the white man in America. He's a wolf and you're a sheep. Anytime a shepherd, a pastor, teach you and me not to run from the white man and at the same time teachers don't fight the white man, He's a traitor to you and me. Don't lay down our life all by itself. No. Preserve your life. It's the best thing you got. And if you got to give it up, let it be even Stephen. And that was the great late, the late and great Malcolm X. His speech, the house Negro and the field Negro. Uh, he did that speech after the March on Washington, uh, 1963. Um, that was during the period when he was still with the Nation of Islam. Um, yeah, I feel like Malcolm would be disappointed with me right now because I'm still eating that swine. <laughs> I ain't eating no chitlins, but I, I still love bacon. I still love bacon. <laughs> oh, man. But all jokes aside, I'm back. It's good to be back. Um, yeah. It's 12.43 right now, Friday, June 19th, Juneteenth, Juneteenth. Um, yeah. I took off of work for Juneteenth. Yeah, 
I thought June teen, June nineteenth was on Saturday, but it's Friday, so I took off of work. And when I got online to send the email to my uh, project manager, I saw that the agency I work for was giving us a, a hour early off. But nah, I'm taking off. You know, um, I feel like you know, even if, if all this stuff wasn't going on right now, they wouldn't even be giving us this hour off early. You know, we got to keep our foots on their necks right now. You know, all the stuff that's going on in America right now. I ain't going to lie. After the last episode that I did, you know, I just had to take a break. I took a break from social media. Um, I took a break from the news. Like, you know, this, this, the, the, the energy was just getting too heavy for me, you know. Um, after the, the murder of George Floyd, police have killed 120 people. 120 people, 120 people have been killed by police since George Floyd <laughs> has been, since George Floyd was murdered, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, you know, it's, it was just getting too heavy for me, I just, I didn't feel like watching the news no more, I didn't feel like being on social media no more, seeing all the stuff, it was just getting too much for me, you know, I had to, I had to be aware of, you know, how all this stuff was affecting me mentally, emotionally, physically and stuff. So I just had I had to take a break, man. You know, it was just it was just getting too much. The fact that, you know, so called black folk are still getting killed after you know, after before, during and after the protests and everything that's going on right now is just, you know, that that just shows you that shit don't really, you know, matter. And I don't know. It was just, I just had to take a damn break. It was just getting too much, man. It was really getting too much. But, you know, I'm back. If you didn't listen to my last episode, um, uh ask that you go listen to it, you know, because um, this, this episode is pretty much a continuation of the last episode, and I got to be honest, you know, this episode right now, you know, was in the works, like, right after I recorded my last episode, and, but it was just like, you know, I had to take a break, but it was like, I said to myself, I'm not going to record. I'm not going to record this episode. I'm not going to record this episode because it was just too much and I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about, you know, black people getting killed and stuff like that. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. But as the days and the weeks was going by, it was like I still had that fire inside of me. It was still burning. You know, I still was thinking, I was like, damn, I need, you know what I'm saying? I just, I need to get this out, you know. Um, In the last episode, which was Bitter Taste in My Mouth, um, a good episode. I got a lot of great feedback from it. Shout out to all the people who hit me up and let me know how good the episode was. Um, All the first-time listeners, because there was a lot of first-time listeners that, hit me up and ask me how they could listen to the show and, you know, send me feedback or whatever. Um, all the people who shared the show, um, I appreciate y'all. All the people who listen to the show, I appreciate y'all, you know. 
I I love all the support that I'm getting, and I just I know that you know it'll be a continued support, and the show is just gonna get bigger and bigger. Um, but yeah, to say that I, you know I got a I still got a bit of taste in my mouth. I mean, I pretty much still do, you know, even though I haven't been watching the news or <laughs> uh, been on social media like that and looking at the posts and stuff. I still, you know, especially when you're on social media, it's hard to miss things. And, you know, I still see things that's going on. Um, people still being killed by the police. And lately, you know, it's been a a, a lot of incidents where black people have been um quote unquote committing suicide by hanging from a tree which is which is bizarre for the simple fact not to say that black people don't commit suicide but i mean let's be real you know committing suicide by hanging yourself that's very symbolic and hanging yourself from a tree that's very symbolic ain't no black person just gonna hang themselves from a tree and kill themselves, you know what I'm saying? That's that's just that's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a I'm not laughing because it's a joke. I'm laughing for the fact that people actually would sit around and believe some shit like this, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's it's too symbolic about a black person hanging from a tree to actually think that, you know, oh, I'ma go and I'm a black person. I'm going to go hang myself from a tree and commit suicide that way. It's it's too symbolic, you know what I'm saying? And that's and that's pretty much what this episode is all about, symbols, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of symbolic stuff that's going on since the George Floyd killing and the protests and stuff like that. And I just want to say, you know, rest in peace to every black person that has lost their life to the hands of police officers or systemic racism, systematic racism, because there's a difference. Um, look it up. And let's not forget Breonna Taylor. Let's not forget the black women who have lost their lives because of police officers and systemic and systematic racism. Um Despite the fact that all of this stuff has been going on, um, the protests and stuff like that, but um, pretty much based off of George Floyd being murdered by the police officers, Breonna Taylor has been heavy on my heart just by the way that she was she was murdered. You know, the the police coming in her residence, no knock warrant, and killing her. Um, she was in the the comfort and the quote unquote safety of her home, and she was just gunned down and, and murdered by the police. And these police officers are still free. You know what I'm saying? I know they recently passed the Breonna Taylor law, but the police officers are still free. It doesn't, you know what what the hell does it mean that that law passing and the police officers are still free. It's just it's just crazy to me. I don't understand it. Um but I'm feeling good, you know, I'm feeling great. I'm great. 
Um, it's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, like people who follow the podcast and follow me on social media and stuff know that you know I'm into astrology and stuff like that, and how that affects us, you know, as as human beings. And as I'm speaking right now, you know, uh, Mercury Mercury uh, has gone into retrograde um, on June 18th. And but Pluto, Saturn, Venus, Jupiter and Neptune are also in retrograde. And we already had an eclipse that I talked about on the last podcast. And now. Sunday, we're going to have another eclipse along with the summer solstice. It's a lot going on. And a lot of this, you know, you you can look this stuff up. A lot of this, a lot of the things that's going on um, in astrology and stuff like that. Um, it's the reason why a lot of this uproar and a lot of these quote unquote revolutions and, you know, protests and Things are changing in in society and and in our world with the coronavirus and stuff like that. You know, the world as we know it is not going back to the same that it used to be. And it's because of all the things that is going on um, with these planets in retrograde, these eclipses going on. You know, I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, astrology and all that stuff is some BS, but... The stuff is real, you know, um, how the moon affects us, how these planets affect us, the sun, um, all that stuff. When you were born, your birth charts, personal years, um, the year that we living in right now, 2020 is a four year, um, you know, it's just all this stuff is relevant. And, you know, I know as human beings on this planet, you know, we... We are attached to the human aspect of the life that we're living, but, you know, it's more to it. But, you know, recently, this is just something that I wanted to say. Uh, I almost forgot about saying it. Um, I went to the doctor recently and, you know, get a physical. I haven't had a physical in um, like two and a half years. And what was interesting about when I went to get my physical was the doctor told me that I remember, you know, I was born in, in the 80s, 1981. And I remember being, you know, a kid and in my teenage years and stuff like that, you had to go get a physical like every year. And he was saying to me that, you know, that 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 way of thinking and that way of doing things is outdated. You know, they they recommend that you come get a physical like every two and a half or three years. So he was like, I'm right on time. So, you know, you you go in there, you get your physical and everything, and, you know, um, you take your blood pressure, your heartbeat and stuff like that. And the last time I got a physical, you know, I, I was straight with, you know, all that stuff like that. Um, But what was interesting was I wind up finding out that my blood pressure was a little high. It was a um, pre-hypertension. It was like 130 over 90 or something like that. But I wasn't too surprised about it because for the simple fact that, you know, I've been home teleworking since the uh, coronavirus been going on. And 
and I haven't been working out like I used to, haven't been able to go to the gym, so I haven't been working out every day and stuff like that, and I haven't necessarily been eating as well as I used to, um, but I didn't necessarily think that I had like a lot, I didn't have stress around, you know, the COVID and anything like that, so... I attribute it to me, you know, not eating as healthy as I normally do and not working out consistently as I normally do. But the whole point of me saying all of this is, you know, fellas, you know, I know it's a thing with us going to the doctors. We don't really keep up with it and stuff like that. But make sure y'all go get checked up. Make sure y'all go get a physical and keep yourselves in in good physical condition. Because um, even before I went to go get my physical, I started amping up, um, you know, me working out and stuff like that, getting back into it. And the reason that I had the motivation was because of all the stuff that's been going on, you know what I'm saying, with the police killing black people and stuff. And then the stuff with, like, Ahmaud Arbery with those white white guys uh, killing him, going after him. I felt like, you know, I have to keep myself in the best physical shape that I can just in case if I get into a situation like this. And that's sad. And I posted that on, on social media, and I was just like, you know what I'm saying? The fact that my mindset is that way is that, you know, it's really sad that my only motivation for working out is to keep myself in physical shape in order so I can protect myself or protect my loved ones. <laughs> that's just, you know what I'm saying? That's just crazy. That's like a a a, a warped mindset to be having, you know, to living your daily life, to thinking that you're gonna to have a a peaceful life. But yeah, fellas, make sure y'all go get y'all checkups. Make sure y'all go get a physical if y'all haven't had one in the past two and a half, three years. You know, make an appointment because you know most of the doctors' offices are open right now. Um, you know, since things are lightening up, you know, on the coronavirus stuff is starting to reopen a little bit you know um so just go you know make an appointment and ladies if y'all listening if if y'all significant other hasn't gotten an, a physical or checkup in a while make the appointment for him you know <laughs> make the appointment for him um but yeah um I wrote a lot of stuff down for this episode. I didn't do my traditional uh, outline. I was just jotting stuff down because, you know, my mind is scattered with, with all the stuff that's going on. And what I wrote down is basically reflecting that. You know, I just was jotting stuff down and putting points beside them and just like, you know, I'm going I'm to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. Um, So, you know, bear with me. <laughs> bear with me. But... Since the last episode, you know, there's still been a lot of protests going on and stuff like that. Um, and I know everybody who's um, in support of, quote unquote, Black Lives Matter or, you know, um, the end of racism or systemic racism has been on social media and just been seeing a lot of the protests and the quote unquote riots and stuff like that and how. The media has been reporting a lot of stuff on the quote-unquote riots, but it's been 
two different stories on social media for the people who's in support of, you know, in the racism, systemic racism, um, Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. We know that, you know, black people have been peacefully protesting and stuff. Um, but when you hear the media's, mainstream media's version of it, you know, the black people out here, you know, rioting and stuff like that. But then you jump back over to social media and then you see the people who's actually rioting are white people. <laughs> and it's actual evidence of this. There's videos of white people actually looting and rioting in these cities and these you know burning these stores like recently with the um the incident that happened in Atlanta I'm sorry I forgot his name um but they showed that the Wendy's that the black gentleman was murdered at that they showed the act they showed a white person throwing the uh I don't know if it was a Molotov cocktail or whatever it was but they show it was it's an actual video showing that the a white person was started the fire at the Wendy's, <laughs> and you know, and then like on social media you'll see just these random piles pallets of bricks just sitting in the street or whatever, and <laughs> like okay you don't see no construction around nowhere but you see a pallet of bricks just sitting in the middle of the street. And that's inciting the riots and the looting and stuff like that. But you'll never see no black person throwing the bricks and stuff in the in the um the stores and the restaurants and stuff like that. You always see the white people. And it is video evidence of even police officers throwing bricks and breaking windows and stuff like that. You know, so they say, um, you know, this stuff is conspiracy theories, but, you know, we're in the information age, so we get to see this firsthand, the things that's going on. And, you know, I know everybody is like, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and stuff like that. But just look up the name George Soros. George Soros. S-O-R-O-S. Soros. George Soros. And you'll see a lot of stuff on the internet and on social media and stuff like that. That this guy, he's a very powerful guy, or whatever, very rich guy and stuff like that. That he's coordinating these these uh, situations. And then you'll even see like with um, Trump coming out and saying certain things about you know Antifa and stuff like that. You know, is is starting these riots and the looting and stuff like that. So. I've always been a, a person who always believed that it's something bigger than us, things that we don't know, things that we don't see, powers to be that we don't know and don't see, you know, but, you know, to each his own. <laughs> but, you know, since the George Floyd murder and you have the protests and, you know, all the stuff that's going on and, Lately, it's been a lot of, as I as I look at it, symbol symbols going on, symbolism going on, you know. Particularly since you know I'm in the DMV, um, Mayor Bowser, Muriel Bowser, she um, 
named painted Black Lives Matter on um, 16th Street uh, Northwest and named it Black Lives Matter Plaza right over there by the White House. And when it first happened, you know, I just I just looked at it and laughed because, you know, I feel like it's the, the same OBS that, you know, black people are used to and black people get caught up in. And I'm not trying to judge nobody, but it, it is what it is. Black people get caught up into symbolism. And I'm saying black people, I'm including myself because, you know, I'm I'm not above nobody else. Um, but I laughed. I laughed when I saw the Black Lives Matter painted on the street and stuff like that. And, you know, the street being named Black Lives Matter Plaza. <laughs> because... I just looked at it like it was a it was just symbolism. It was just um just a just something just to get us wrapped into but it didn't it's it's nothing that really is going to progress the black community or the black agenda. You know, it's just something just for us to to celebrate. It's ceremony, it's symbolism, you know. Um, and when it happened, it was just like all over social media, you saw people just posting it, posting it, posting it. And I'm like, well, they posting it and celebrating, but I'm like, what is it getting us? It's not getting us nothing. It's not doing nothing for us. Is it making us, is it making our situation better? Is it going to stop the police from killing us? Is it going to stop systemic racism? Is it going to get us better education? Is it going to get us reparations? You know, what is it What is it getting us? And I feel like, you know, the powers to be, politicians, business people, even our own people, our own black politicians, our own black business owners and such and such celebrities, whatever, they know that we get caught up in symbolism and ceremony and stuff like that. So they know that they can give this stuff to us and that it'll make us happy, it'll appease us, you know, it'll calm us down, whatever. But it's not doing nothing for us. You know, we doing the protests, we got this symbolism, we got this ceremony. Now what? Now what are we going to do? Now what is going to happen? It was a quote by um, Malcolm X, and he said, the greatest mistake of the movement has been trying to organize a sleeping people around specific goals. You have to wake the people up first, then you'll get action. And that goes back to what I'm talking about, the symbolism, the... The ceremony and stuff like that. That's cool and everything, you know. That's cute. <laughs> it's cute. But is it progressing us? They give that stuff to us because they know that the majority of the people, black people who will see that, it'll appease us. It'll make us feel good. It'll calm us down and stuff like that. It will prevent us from waking up. It'll prevent us from progressing. And that's even with Obama. Obama was symbolism. Obama was ceremony. 
Black people were still getting killed when Obama was president by the police. They were still getting killed by the police. We still had systematic racism. We didn't get no reparations. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. Nothing better happened for us. Obama was symbolism. Obama was ceremony. Because as soon as Trump got into office, everything went back to the same way, if not worse. You, you can ask some people and they will feel like, you know, we back in the 60s. We back in the 60s with, with everything that's going on since Trump been in office. And that shows you that Obama meant nothing. It was symbolism. It was ceremony. Now, don't take this personal. It is what it is. I mean, we can look at everything that's been going on. Um, and like I said, with Muriel Bowser, she painted the, the street Black Lives Matter, named the boulevard Black Lives Matter Plaza. But an article came out June 2nd. It said, D.C. ranks in bottom quintile of new Save the Children childhood report. The report considers rates of malnutrition, education, teen pregnancy, and early death. The bottom. Rank in the bottom. Anybody who has lived in the DMV for years and grown up, been a part of the DMV forever, know that stuff is is crazy right now in D.C. Like, the D.C. that I know is definitely not the same. D.C. is total, is, is just, it's crazy gentrified. It's crazy gentrified. Like, I, I've worked in D.C. for, for years. It's 2020. I worked in D.C. since 2001. I've been to elementary school in D.C., I've been in D.C. going to the clubs, going to restaurants, hanging out in D.C. D.C. is totally different now. The mayor, the mayor seems to be more worried about the Redskins changing their name, the Washington Redskins changing their name so they can come back to the city than she is getting better education. Better living conditions and stuff for black people in in D.C. Black people in D.C. Are being, are being pushed out. Pushed out of the city. And that's what I'm talking about right there. Symbolism. Ceremony. She painted that stuff on the street. Put a sign up. And black people celebrating. But it's still black people suffering in the city. The fact that she's doing all of that. And she's really pro-police is a problem. Like, um, let me see. This is just stuff that I research. Um, it says, Muriel Bowser has been continually endorsed by the Fraternal Order Police. In 2015, during her first year as mayor, D.C. saw a 40% increase in homicides. Bowser sought to address the spike by proposing legislation allowing law enforcement officials to perform warrantless searches of violent ex-offenders. The bill was widely opposed by citizens groups and the D.C. Council and did not pass. And it says, and let me see. Um, 
In 2016, she requested a $6 million budget proposal to complete a task for the police departments to wear body cameras. And it says that proposal included a provision that will make all footage from the cameras exempt from the Freedom of Information Act request with the goal to respect privacy. Bowser's proposed budget for 2021 increases funding for traditional policing while cutting spending on programs to reduce violence through community-based intervention initiatives. In 2020, the D.C. Council has put forth several bills to overhaul policing, including a prohibition on using tear gas and a requirement to disclose body camera footage and the name of an officer within three days of a deadly force incident. Bowser has declined to comment on the proposal, saying she has not had a chance to review. <laughs> and this is not for me to sit here and attack Muriel Bowser or anything, you know, because I'm not a D.C. resident. I live in the suburbs of D.C., which is Prince George's County, which is in Merlin. But this goes hand in hand to what I'm talking about as far as the symbolism. We get wrapped up into the symbolism and it's a distraction from what really matters, what these people are really doing and what we need to have a focus on. Case in point, the Democrats came out and <laughs> with their can't say cloth on one knee <laughs> kneeling to unveil their bill targeting police misconduct and racial bias. <laughs> and I know y'all seen this picture. It's been all over social media. Um Nancy Pelosi and all them with their kente cloth on on one knee. <laughs> I mean, this is this is hilarious. This is like pandering. This is pandering to us. This is pandering for our support for us to believe that you know it's, it's some type of progress going on. But this is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? This is symbolism. This is acts of ceremony. You know what I'm saying? This doesn't mean nothing. This is not progressing us anyway. And you know, lately, they started taking down a lot of statues and stuff like that um, of Confederate leaders and stuff like that. Uh, and I'll be honest, um... I forgot it was a couple of years ago when they was taking down statues and stuff, Confederate statues. I, I kind of had mixed feelings about it because I kind of felt like they need to keep them statues up because we don't need to forget the BS that, you know what I'm saying, that they put us through. We don't need to forget the BS. And I felt like taking these statues down was hiding the racism, hiding the bullshit that, you know, black people have gone through in this country. 
But lately, I've been coming off of that, you know, take the shit down. You know, I'm just like, whatever. You know, it. to me, it don't really matter because the way that I'm already looking at it is like all this stuff is symbolism. All this stuff is just is, is acts of ceremony, stuff that, you know, they doing to pander to us, to calm us down, to distract us from the real agenda at hand, which is systemic racism and police killings and stuff like that, which is systematic racism. Um, you got the companies, uh, all these big corporations and companies making statements. Um, and I'm just like, you know, all this stuff feels like fake love, you know, fake love. Would they be doing, you know what I'm saying? They only doing this because of everything that's going on. If they really cared about, you know, black people and black people spending their money, you know, on their products and stuff like that, they would have been doing all of this before people was getting shot down in the, in the streets, getting shot down in their homes and stuff like that before we stepping out on that pavement protesting and stuff like that you know and that's why i'm like we we have to make sure that we keep our foot on their necks because all the things that they're doing is just acts of ceremony you example you got the nfl the roger cadell commissioner he coming out making a statement that he made knowing that they've been blackballing kaepernick because he was taking the knee your statement don't mean shit until Kaepernick gets a job. All this stuff is 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 fake to me. You know, it's it's symbol, it's symbolism, it's symbols, it's acts of ceremony, it's fake love. You know, it doesn't mean anything, and we gotta we gotta stop as as so called black people in this country. We gotta stop. You know, being attached to this stuff, getting caught up into this stuff, because they, they're just distractions. They're just distractions. And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I know for damn sure that this stuff is symbolism. This stuff is acts of ceremony. This stuff don't mean nothing. It's not progressing this. It's not stopping systemic racism. It's not stopping systematic racism. This shit is BS. And... In my honest truth, I, I feel like racism is not just going to go away with us protesting and stuff like that, especially in the minds of people who are racist. You know, this is something that's been taught to them. This is something that's in their DNA. This is something that's in their, you know, in their genes, you know. This stuff, that type of racism that's in, in, in uh, racist white people, racist people who are not black people, you know, because <laughs> we got to be honest with ourselves. There's it's other races that are racist towards black people. That stuff ain't going to go away until them people actually die and it ain't passed down no more. That's why we have to stop giving so much energy to just random people on the street calling us a nigga or something like that or being racist and stuff. We need to focus on systemic racism. We need to focus on systemic racism. We need to focus on 
our community as a whole. And we're not going to get nowhere. And this is based off of that Malcolm X quote. We're not going to get anywhere until we are the majority. I'm not going to say everybody because everybody is not going to be along for the ride. And that goes along with the speech that I played, the uh, clip that I played in the beginning with Malcolm X talking about the house Negro and the field Negro. Everybody's not going to come along. But the majority has got to be awake and understand the things that are going on, the things that have been against us for years in order for us to attack these specific goals. Because even with like all the stuff that's going on, I didn't go out there and protest, but I donated money. I supported black businesses. I've been doing this podcast. You know, the protesting is not for me. I don't believe in marching and stuff like that. But I know that it holds a place in the overall progression of our community. I choose to do it another way. But I'm not knocking the protests and the marching or whatever. You know, so the majority of our community has to wake up in order for our specific goals to be reached. We can't just go off and act on symbolism and ceremony and stuff like that. And particularly, I noticed, like, since I've been on on Twitter in the past, I think, two weeks, I've noticed lately that there's been a lot of infighting with our community, particularly the separation of black males and females and a lot of people on social media, a lot of women and even some men saying that, you know, black men need to protect women and we need the black women need to matter and stuff like that. And the way that I feel about all of that is that this is what, you know, the outsiders want. This is what they want. They want us to have infighting, you know, and that's the reason why I played the clip. House Negro, Phil Negro. They want us to be separated. You know, they actually had a slave code book where they they purposely made sure that they did things like this in order to separate us and to have us not being able to unite. And throughout history, we've seen that, you know. One thing that's been coming up recently has been the Black Wall Street because Trump is, has, um, he's going to be doing a rally tomorrow, well, today, June 19th, Juneteenth in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where, you know, Black Wall Street happened. And, you know, I hear people all the time talking about, we got to come together, we got to come together and all this, do this and stuff like that. And, you know, we have to understand even when we've came together, you know, they've attacked us. And we just have to make sure that we got to stay away from the infighting. And even with, like, the LGBTQ community and stuff like that, you know, it'll go from Black Lives Matter to Black Women Matter to Black Trans Lives Matter to Black um, Gays Matter and stuff like that. There shouldn't be no separation. If we're fighting for Black Lives Matter, that includes every black person. 
We have to stop separating. We have to stop this infighting because it makes no sense. That's what they want. That's just like when I've I've spoken about before about how, you know, the feminist movement and you have the the women the women's marches and stuff like that and you have the white women marching on Washington and stuff like that and then you have the the black women out there and the, at that march as well or whatever. You know, basically supporting the the white women movement. But you don't see these white women supporting black mothers when they losing their kids and stuff, you know, or black women's issues and stuff like that. We have to stop the infighting. And I and I and I, and I feel I, I just feel that, you know, things won't get nowhere until we actually come together. We have to stop the infighting. We got to. I feel like the rate the the racism with individual white people or other races in the country is not going to go away until these people actually die and it's not being passed down anymore. But systemic racism is not going to go away until we come together and stop the infighting. And... (laughs) One thing that I told you I was going to be all over the place because I was just jotting stuff down. I didn't put it in no order or anything like that. But when I was getting ready for this show and I was doing, like, uh, some extra research and stuff, you know, I was saying, like, there's a lot of police off police officers resigning and, and not, and you know, boycotting and not working or whatever because... <laughs> Of everything that's going on. And that just shows you their their mindset with, you know, they feel like they they're being restricted from killing killing us. You know what I'm saying? They getting mad because <laughs> mayors and, and stuff like and people and citizens are coming against them and stuff like that. <laughs> and they they're walking off the job and stuff like that. Basically because they can't kill black people no more. But and uh, and other stuff that I seen like um on Twitter, you know, people going at celebrities and stuff like that. And I hate that and I talked about it on the previous show, Who Do You Believe in? How we gotta stop having so much Love and worship for these damn celebrities, these black celebrities. They aren't lead. All of them aren't leaders, and we shouldn't be looking at them for leaders. You got people talking about something, we going to cancel this person and cancel that person or whatever. <laughs> it's just it's just bizarre that we... The way that I feel about uh, black celebrities is, you know, for the ones that that have a voice and that's, you know, can be leaders, do your part. But the other ones, show up with your money. You know what I'm saying? Show up with your money. I had to take a sip. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell y'all what I'm drinking. I'm drinking uh, some Crown Royal. I'm not smoking nothing tonight because, I mean, it's pretty late. 
I'll probably wait till tomorrow to smoke, but I just wanted to get through this episode because, like I said, that fire was burning inside of me. But, yeah, for some, uh, a lot of the celebrities, they just need to put their money up. Put your money up, put your money up behind a, a, a person who's actually in the community doing, you know, groundwork, grassroots work and stuff like that. Put your money up behind them. Put your money up for causes or, you know, charities or whatever. You know, but all every celebrity is not a leader and shouldn't be, you know, out there, you know, looked at as a leader. It's it's just interesting how this country is, you know, because... You know, for for a long time, you know, you always hear people saying this is the greatest country in the world and stuff like that. But does that feel like does this country feel like the greatest country in the world for us black people? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I just think about like just what this country is built off on, you know, these people, these countries sent people over here to um they sent countries over here I mean people over here from from these countries to you know they sent um people over here from other countries and stuff like that and and then think about the revolutionary war and stuff and how they wanted to the part ways with the rule of the of their countries to have their own land and stuff like that and in the matter of them coming over here and taking prisoners of war and enslaving black people and stuff like that it's just like what do what do we expect what what do we expect like with the cops and how the how cops came into existence with slave catchers and stuff like that and then the constitution how we have the second amendment and you know how other countries call the United States the wild, wild west. You know, this country has been built on violence. It's built on violence and chaos and savagery. So, I mean, it's like recently I've been watching um, that show Luther with Idris Elba and seeing that he's a police officer and stuff like that, you know. Cops over in other countries don't even carry guns. They don't carry guns, and they don't even have the level of violence that we have. You know, the the, the cops that have guns are actually the actual SWAT teams when it's like a severe um, case or whatever, and they got to call these SWAT units in. Those are the cops that have guns, but the, the regular cops, the investigators, detectives, and the people on the street don't even have guns. And that just show you how, you know, the energy, the thought process and stuff over here is just, 
It's all about violence. It's just all about violence. You got the Second Amendment. You got the cops out here running around shooting everybody. I don't really see how that's going to change. You know, we got cities, states with these enormous budgets for their police force. Giving them tanks and stuff like that. What the hell do y'all need tanks for? What the hell do police need tanks and armored vehicles for? I mean, like, this just goes back to everything, even like, you know, TV and stuff. You got back in the Westerns and stuff like that. We I, we live in a wild, wild West society. <laughs> This country is built on that. The country is built on violence. The country, the our quote-unquote forefathers, they fought to separate from their countries with violence. They came over here with violence, enslaved people with violence, and they're continuing to enslave us with violence and kill us violently and stuff like that. I mean, I don't I don't really know where where we go from here. I mean, it's like now what? <laughs> now what what do what do we do? I I've I've been asking a lot of people lately, you know, like do you think we're going to see the end of racism in our lifetime, systemic racism? I don't know. But like I said, it's Juneteenth, um, June 19th, if y'all are listening to the show today. Um, Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and Liberation Day, is an unofficial American holiday and an official Texas state holiday celebrated annually on the 19th of June in the United States to commemorate Union Army General Gordon Granger's reading of federal orders in the city of Galveston, Texas, on June 19, 1865, proclaiming all slaves in Texas were now free. Although the Emancipation Proclamation had formally freed them almost two and a half years earlier, and the American Civil War had largely ended with the defeat of the Confederate States in April, Texas was the most remote of the slave states with a low presence of Union troops, so enforcement of the proclamation had been slow and inconsistent. A common misconception is that this day marks the end of slavery in the United States, although this day marks the emancipation of all slaves in the Confederacy, the institution of slavery was still legal and in and existent in the Union border states after June 19, 1865. Slavery in the United States did not officially end until the ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States on December 6, 1865, which had abolished slavery entirely in all of the United States and territories, which is kind of a lie because... In that 13th Amendment, it says that, you know, slavery, unless you're, you know, not verbatim, but if you've broken a law, you'll be jailed, and that's slavery. But, yeah, 
the last day too. <laughs> but um, I'm gonna end this episode with the rest of the Malcolm X speech, the House Negro and the Field Negro. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, share, download the episode on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Um, previous episodes are on those streaming platforms as well as YouTube. Um, I didn't record this episode because I just wanted to get right into it. But I will be recording the next episode coming up, so don't worry. Um, so check out all episodes on all those platforms. Because I will be putting the audio up on YouTube as well. So, you know... Like, share, subscribe, download, all that good stuff. I appreciate all y'all. appreciate everybody who hits me up. I appreciate everybody who shares the podcast. I appreciate everybody who listens. I really do appreciate y'all so much. Be safe out there. Until next time. The slave master took Tom and dressed him well and fed him well and even gave him a little education, a little education. Gave him a long coat and a top hat and made all the other slaves look up to him. Then he used Tom to control them. The same strategy that was used in those days is used today by the same white man. He take a Negro, so-called Negro, and make him prominent, build him up, publicize him, make him a celebrity, and then he becomes a spokesman for Negroes and a Negro leader. I would like to just mention one thing else quickly, and that is the, the uh, method that the white man uses, how the white man uses these big guns or Negro leaders against the black revolution. They're not a part of the black revolution. They're used against the black revolution. When Martin Luther King failed to desegregate Albany, Georgia, the civil rights struggle in America reached its low point. King became bankrupt almost as a leader. Plus, even financially, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference was in financial trouble. Plus, it was in trouble, period, with the people when they failed to uh, desegregate Albany, Georgia. Other Negro civil rights leaders of so-called national stature became fallen idols. As they became fallen idols, began to lose their prestige and influence, Local Negro leaders began to stir up the masses. In Cambridge, Maryland, Gloria Richardson. In Danville, Danville, Virginia, and other parts of the country, local leaders began to stir up our people at the grassroots level. This was never done by these Negroes whom you recognize of national stature. They controlled you, but they never incited you or excited you.
They controlled you. They contained you. They kept you on the plantation. As soon as King failed in Birmingham, Negroes took to the streets. King got out and went out to California to a big rally and raised about, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. Come to Detroit and had a march and raised some more thousands of dollars. And recall, right after that, Wilkins attacked King, accused King and the Corps of starting trouble everywhere and then making the NAACP get them out of jail and spend a lot of money, and then he accused King and Corps of raising all the money and not paying it back. This happened. I got it in documented evidence in the newspaper. Roy started attacking King, and King started attacking Roy, and farmers started attacking both of them. And as these Negroes of national stature begin to attack each other, they begin to lose their control of the Negro masses. And Negroes was out there in the streets. They was talking about, we're going to march on Washington. By the way, and right at that time, Birmingham had exploded, and the Negroes in Birmingham, remember, they also exploded. They began to stab the crackers in the back and bust them upside the head. Yes, they did. That's when Kennedy sent in the troops down in Birmingham. So, and right after that, Kennedy got on the television and said, this is a moral issue. That's when he said he's going to put out a civil rights bill. And when he mentioned civil rights bill and the Southern crackers started talking about they were going to boycott it or filibuster it, then the Negroes started talking about what? We're going to march on Washington, march on the Senate, march on the White House, march on the Congress and tie it up, bring it to a halt. Don't let the government proceed. They even said they were going to go out to the airport and lay down on the runaway and don't let no airplanes land. I'm telling you what they said. That was revolution. That was revolution. That was the Black Revolution. It was the grassroots out there in the street. Scared the white man to death. Scared the white power structure in Washington, D.C. to death. I was there. When they found out that this black steamroller was going to come down on the Capitol, they called in Wilkins. They called in Randolph. They called in these national Negro leaders that you respect and told them, call it off. Kennedy said, look, y'all letting this thing go too far. And old Tom said, boss, I can't stop it because I didn't start it. I'm telling you what they said. They said, I'm not even in it, much less at the head of it. They said, these Negroes are doing things on their own. They're running ahead of us. And that old shrewd fox, he said, well, if you all aren't in it, I'll put you in it. I'll put you at the head of it. I'll endorse it. I'll welcome it. I'll help it. I'll join it. The very, a matter of hours went by. They had a meeting at the Carlisle Hotel in New York City. The Carlisle Hotel is owned by the Kennedy family. That's the hotel Kennedy spent the night at two nights ago. Belongs to his family. A, a philanthropic society headed by a white man named Stephen Currier called all the top civil rights leaders together at the Carlisle Hotel and told them that by you all fighting each other, you're destroying the civil rights movement. And since you're fighting over money from white liberals, 
let us set up what's known as the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership. Let's form this council, and all the civil rights organizations will belong to it, and we'll use it for fundraising purposes. Let me show you how tricky the white man is. And as soon as they got it formed, they elected uh, uh, Whitney Young as the chairman. And who you think became the co-chairman? Stephen Currier, the white man. A millionaire. Powell was talking about it down at the Cobo today. This is what he was talking about. Powell knows it happened. Randolph knows it happened. Wilkins knows it happened. King knows it happened. Every one of that so-called big six, they know what happened. Once they formed it with the white man over it, he promised them and gave them $800,000 to split up between the big six and told them that after the march was over, they'd give them 700000 more. A million and a half dollars split up between leaders that you've been following, going to jail for, crying crocodile tears for, and they nothing but Frank James and Jesse James and uh, what you call it, brothers. <laughs> Soon as they, they got the setup organized, the white men made available to them top public relations experts. Opened the news media across the country at their disposal. And then they begin to project these big six as the leaders of the march. Originally, they weren't even in the march. You was talking this march talk on Haston Street. Is Haston Street still here? <laughs> on Haston Street. You was talking the march talk on Lenox Avenue. And down on, uh, what you call it, Fillmore Street. And Central Avenue. And 42nd Street and 63rd Street. That's where the march talk was being talked. But the white man put the big six ahead of it, made them the march. They became the march. They took it over. And the first move they made after they took it over, they invited Walter Ruther, a white man. They invited a priest, a, a, a rabbi, and an old white preacher. Yes, an old white preacher. The same white element that put Kennedy in power labored, the Catholics, the Jews, and liberal Protestants. Same clique that put Kennedy in power joined the March on Washington. It's just like when you got some coffee that's too black, which means it's too strong. What you do? You integrate it with cream. You make it weak. If you pour uh, too much cream in, you won't even know you ever had coffee. It used to be hot, it becomes cool. It used to be strong, it becomes weak. It used to wake you up, now it'll put you to sleep. <laughs> this is what they did with the March on Washington. They joined it. They didn't integrate it, they infiltrated it. They joined it. 
became a part of it, took it over. And as they took it over, it lost its militancy. They ceased to be angry. They ceased to be hot. They ceased to be uncompromising. Why, it even ceased to be a march. It became a picnic, a circus. Nothing but a circus with clowns and all. You had one right here in Detroit. I saw it on television with clowns leading it, white clowns and black clowns. I know you don't like what I'm saying, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because I can prove what I'm saying. If you think I'm telling you wrong, you bring me Martin Luther King and A. Philip Randolph and James Farmer and uh, those other three and see if they'll deny it over a microphone. No, it was a sellout. It was a takeover. When James Baldwin came in from Paris, they wouldn't let him talk because they couldn't make him go by the script. Bert Lancaster wrote the speech that Baldwin was supposed to make. They wouldn't let Baldwin get up there because they know Baldwin liable to say anything. <laughs> they controlled it so tight, they told those Negroes what time to hit town. How to come, where to stop, what sign to carry, what song to sing, what speech they could make and what speech they couldn't make, and then told them to get out of town by sundown. <laughs> and every one of those times were out of town by sundown. Now, I know you don't like my saying this, but I can back it up. It was a circus, a performance. It beat anything Hollywood could ever do. The performance of the year. Ruther and those other three devils should get an Academy Award for the best actors because they acted like they really loved Negroes and fooled a whole lot of Negroes. And the six Negro leaders should get a, or an award, too, for the best supporting cast.